This is InsureTech Perspectives with Bolt. And this is quite a fun one because I'm welcoming not one, but two guests back into the pod. Jim Duane, Bolt's CEO, and David Brandeis, Bolt's Senior Vice President for Customer Success. And in the spirit of the holiday season, this is going to be a two-parter with this first episode being very much a reflective look back. So we talked about new deals. What they realized was that trying to create it yourself is complex, it's costly, and it's really time consuming. So we actually sat with them, consulted with them, and we essentially said, listen, we've got a deal for you. Plus old challenges. It forces you to sharpen your sales, sharpen your tools, and become pretty darn good at closing business without the ability to see eye to eye or shake hands other than virtually. And new perspectives. I wish we would have gone a little faster on that or picked up on it faster. And the fact that insurance has suddenly become exciting. One of the things that you notice is insurance went from an incredibly, to most people coming out of college, boring industry to when I talk to my kids who are in their 20s now of interest, they know what the word insure tech means. They are excited to see how insurance is actually something worth being in as opposed to what they think it was. So there's a lot of positive impact of it being seen as a technology, not just an insurance company job. Oh, and we've got some holiday season chit chat too. Here we go. Episode six. Right, Jim and David, what a treat. Welcome both of you into the pod once again. And this episode is a little bit different because I want to do a bit of an end of year check in and figure out what have been your highlights, perhaps some of your challenges, what you've learned. Is there anything you wish you'd done differently? And also, I want to revisit some of our previous chats and dig a little bit deeper into certain themes if we can. But let me start with a small anecdote because my husband and I were out the other night and he said to somebody, oh, Fiona does an insurance podcast. And I realised that if somebody had associated me with insurance 10 years ago, I might have hidden in a corner with shame. No offence. But, you know, thanks to companies like Bolt and Lemonade and all of these exciting companies changing things up, insurance, it feels, has become one of the most exciting industries out there. So I wondered what it's like for you two when you talk about your jobs and your industries. Well, I guess I can go first. So first of all, thank you for having us, Fiona. Looking forward to the conversation. So for me, from my perspective, there's actually an irony in the insurance industry in terms of where we were and where we are. So Mm -hmm. insurance for a long time was known as that part of the financial services industry that was way behind from a technology perspective. So that's the past. The good news is, and from my perspective, what makes it so exciting is we're now kind of in that catch-up mode. So we're almost going doubly fast to catch up. Mm. So when you think about it from the perspective of investment, innovation, business startups, they've exploded. I was looking earlier today, just in 2021 alone, it looks as though there will have been $15 billion of capital invested into just startup insurance technology companies. There's kind of a rush into the industry. So David and myself benefit from that. We benefit from the excitement. We benefit from the opportunity. We benefit from the innovation. So from my perspective, having spent 
a big chunk of my career in insurance, well, my entire career in insurance. It's super exciting. Never work harder, never had more fun. Yeah, yeah. David? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Jim's point about catch-up is really the critical thing that we see. And again, thank you for having us. We're really looking forward to it as well. One of the things that you notice is insurance went from an incredibly, to most people coming out of college, boring industry to when I talk to my kids who are in their 20s now of interest, they know what the word insure tech means. They are excited to see how insurance is actually something worth being in as opposed to what they think it was. So mm. there's a lot of positive impact of it being seen as a technology, not just an insurance company job. I do think one of the things that is a struggle right now is the understanding of what really is technology versus what someone's just naming themselves a technology. So I think we spend a lot of time listening to people say they're an insure tech, but you really weed through it and it's just a naming process. So there is a lot of, like Jim said, catch up, but there's also a lot of what is actual change versus what is just a naming convention. Yeah, because everybody possibly is jumping on that bandwagon. Having seen, I guess, what the bank what happened with fintech and, and the evolution of banking, everybody else is seeing that with insurance and thinking, oh, I'd like a piece of that. Also, when David says that, I think back to uh, the dot-com era of the late 90s. You had pretty much everyone just putting dot-com at the end of their name and calling themselves <laughs> a tech company. David is yeah. right. There's a lot of... There, there's a lot of you know uh, my story on that, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please. If there's a story, I want to hear it, David. Well, just quickly, we were working with a company when I was at IBM and the person at this company, very nice person said to me, well, we're in e-business. And I said, oh, okay. She goes, I take the claim off of the fax machine, thermal fax machine. I Xerox it so it doesn't disappear. I type it into our old AS400, you know, the big green screen. And then I take it off the dot matrix printer and I hand it to the claim adjuster. And in her mind, that was high technology. That was an e-business. So. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Just processing a claim? Surely. But sure. Wow. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Hey, listen, it's how they feel. <laughs> oh, my goodness me. Right. So let's start. This is, for me, an obvious place to properly start the podcast. 2021 highlights. What have been some of the best moments for both of you personally at Vault? For me, it's kind of apropos that David and I are doing this podcast together because we joke that we probably spent more time with each other over the past two years than we've spent with our families. One of the things for me for 2021 that was kind of the most exciting or the highlights was the degree of transformation Bolt went through. Transformation that David and I both had the privilege of being a part of in conjunction, of course, with the teams across the U.S. and in Israel. Mm -hmm. So lots of transformation. And the transformation at the end of the day, it boiled down to finding different types of ways to allow companies to access the exchange, to access Bolt's exchange. And in doing so, it exposed us to lots and lots of different customer categories. So mm -hmm. the Bolt of old dealt exclusively with insurance companies on the software side. And with some of the changes that we transformed ourselves with and expanded access to the exchange, we now speak to essentially a limitless type of customer or industry, as long as they're somewhere adjacent or at the intersection of insurance and commerce, as long as they're somewhere in that neighborhood, we have the opportunity to talk to them. For me, by far, that was the most exciting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. David, how about you? 
I mean, echoing Jim's comments, we've been together a lot on this stuff, and I do believe that I was at Bolt since 2018, and transformation has really occurred from being a really top-shelf technology provider to learning how to marry our technology with our top-shelf distribution and making a, a really, really great combination that does two things. One, provides an entry point for most businesses that didn't want to take on the big software-as-a-service solution. And secondly, mm-hmm. as Jim mentioned, the ability to look at embedded insurance in many different ways and helping, whether it's a real estate firm, a, an advisory firm, a bank, a credit union, but even even areas around affinity where it's you know a, a, a labor union or a college alumni association where we can really help them think about how insurance can do it and then have the privilege of tools to deliver it, both distribution and technology. So I am very, very excited about 22 because 21, we did a great job as everybody at Bolt laying the groundwork. Mm, Yeah, how to beat 2021. And also, I imagine, and I don't want to put words into your mouths, but for both of you coming from such a stellar insurance background, to be in a role that's almost evolving in real time as the business model evolves. So I imagine that you've both learned new things at a stage in your careers where perhaps some people would say, well, you've learned it all because you've got such huge experience. But I imagine for both of you, it's your careers are evolving and you're meeting all of these people as well, which must be exciting. We almost have an unfair advantage, right? So David and I both, you know, slightly different tracks, but we'll call it the same neighborhood, different house in terms of what we both did in the insurance industry. So we kind of grew up in the insurance industry. Now, as we've immersed ourselves in this technology space, the insurance technology space serving the insurance industry at this exciting time. We talked about a few minutes ago, we have the benefit of talking to people who speak our language because the vast majority of people we talk to are insurance people. Mm -hmm. That's something that surprises a lot of people. Most of our customers are business insurance people looking to invest in technology. So we get to help them essentially translate from insurance into technology. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, I was going to say, Jim, on your first episode with me, you said that one of the best parts of your role, one of the most exciting parts is helping people think differently about their business model. I mean, do you have any particular highlights that you can mention from this year where this has happened, where people have totally, you know, evolved their business model or just thought about it differently? Yeah, I've actually got two examples. So the first one is David and I actually, in conjunction with members of the sales team, We started talking to these companies whose business model largely revolved around lead generation. And traditionally, companies, they would harvest leads and then they would sell them. It's a good business model. There's a lot of really successful companies that have made a lot of money, but there are downsides to it. There's not, it's non-recurring revenue. It could be relatively volatile. There are issues with quality of leads. So what we've been able to do is we've talked to several companies And we've essentially convinced them, rather than selling leads, why don't you work on converting those leads? So not only can you make more money per transaction, but you also get a repeatable, sustainable stream of revenue over a period of years. So we've got several customers that we've worked with where they work from lead gen and they've essentially morphed into more of an insurance destination adjacent to whatever their other business might be. So that's one. And then the second one is actually what I'll call a category of highlights. And the reason I say it's a category is because there's several different examples we have where 
there was a non-technology company that was attempting to create a choice model of selling insurance. What they realized was that trying to create it yourself is complex, it's costly, and it's really time consuming. So Mm -hmm. we actually sat with them, consulted with them, and we essentially said, listen, we've got a deal for you, as it were. You Mm -hmm. focus on your business. Let us handle your insurance pipe, as you were. So we allowed them to declutter the infrastructure they put in place for selling insurance, and we essentially took it over for them, leveraging our technology and our top-notch people who work in support of our technology customers, our agents and service professionals and underwriters who work in support of our customers. They're there to help our technology customers adopt the technology. Yeah, I guess it's that mindset of why skill up when you can team up. I mean, it just makes sense. And what about for both of you? In fact, David, let's start with you. Any challenges faced this year? I think the challenges are, for us, a couple of things. One is who's your competition? You want to know where and what you're competing against. And in our world, we compete against many internal and external competitors. And most of what we find ourselves doing, especially with internal, is educating and and really helping shape their understanding of what we are, who we are, and why we're not a risk to them. And we've had a lot of success doing that in a lot of areas of carriers and various other businesses where... I think Jim kind of touched upon it. There was a a feeling, oh, we can just build it ourselves. We said to them, you can, but why would you want to? You don't need to. You can focus on higher value items for what you're trying to do, make more money. And what I've noticed from a lot of my career is that business folks are being able to regain the ability to drive the conversation and not just have it say, oh, it's a technology that's got to be reviewed by the digital group. So for us, that challenge has been fun to overcome, but it's been a pretty steep hill to do it. And the other challenge is really the challenge everybody's facing. In our previous lives, before the pandemic, you would fly to someone's office, you'd have a meeting, you'd really go through everything, you'd go have dinner, and you'd come away and you'd basically be in a good position to either know you had the deal and know when you're going to land the deal or you don't have it. The pandemic, as we know, forced us all to use phone and video conferencing, and it forces you to sharpen your sales, sharpen your tools, and become pretty darn good at closing business without the ability to see eye to eye or shake hands other than virtually. Mm -hmm. So I'd say those are two of the challenges I focus on. Yeah, and I guess that last one is not to be underestimated because building relationships is pivotal to all businesses. Jim, let me return back to you. Do you want to build on the answers that David gave in terms of challenges faced this year? Yeah, I would say for me, the challenge, it was actually a byproduct of what I said earlier, which was one of the most exciting parts about the past year or so. And that is Mm -hmm. whenever you're changing creating, transforming, you're going to make mistakes. Not everything you try works. So Mm -hmm. this whole concept of failing fast and having false starts and bumping into walls, those types of things, for me, those are always a little bit challenging and a little bit frustrating. The other one is, I would say, also related to the transformation, and that is change management, right? Human nature is not prone to rapid acceptance of change. So change management, the culture changes and the organizational changes that go along with kind of transformation is, I would say, some of the challenges. Because listen, one of the things David and I learned was that 
changing products and solutions is only one third of the actual process. There's two more really critical parts of the process. You also have to change the workflows to accommodate those new products and solutions. And as a technology company, you actually have to change the technology. Mm-hmm. Changing the products were great, but then we woke up one day, we're like, uh-oh, we also got to change the workflows and we got to change the technology as well. So those were challenges, but they all came from a good place. Yeah. And actually, I should ask you, Jim, because this year was a big year for you because you moved into the CEO role. I mean, that's obviously a positive. I assume that's a positive. Yeah, I <laughs> hope so. That would be, be a question you asked me, Fiona. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We should have a little private WhatsApp group, uh, you and me, David, on that, on that note. But what, what about, Jim, was that a strange thing for you, moving into that role and changing your relationship with people like David, with everybody? I mean, how did that work out? Fortunately, one of the great things about it was we were such a tight-knit, small group of people. We were never a hierarchical organization. We were never a bureaucratic organization. We were all just kind of rolling up our sleeves and doing whatever we needed to do whenever we needed to do it. So from that perspective, it was almost no transition whatsoever because I was still working with the same people. We were still running around, working together, helping each other, trying to solve problems together. There's obviously different responsibilities that come along with it and the things you do day to day. So if I would have spent 70% of my time talking to customers and prospects prior to coming into this role, it's probably a little less than that now. So there's been some changes, but it's been fantastic. And, you know, everyone's mm-hmm. been super supportive and we're not a bureaucratic company. We're not a hierarchical company. So quite honestly, half the time, I don't even think about it. Yeah. Actually, I was reading the other day about, I hadn't read this before, the hippo issue with corporations, the highest paid person's opinion and how that typically or traditionally dominates in corporate workforces, that the boss gets to make all the decisions and and that's now being challenged by lots of companies. But I get the impression with Bolt that, as you say, you've always been a flat organisation, a flat hierarchy. Everyone piles in, everyone pitches in and everyone is an equal, which very much comes across. And that's very much the reputation. And it's also just throughout my whole career, I'm 32 years into this joyride. I thought you were about to say you're 32 years old. I was like, Jim, <laughs> no, wow. Far from that. <laughs> 32 years into my career. And my management style has always been a little more collaborative anyway, yeah. or I'll say whatever the opposite of autocratic is. So yeah. I'm a strong believer in a couple things. I'm a strong believer in objective naivety, meaning mm-hmm. I love to have people who don't 100% understand what you're talking about ask questions because mm-hmm. they may ask a question that you didn't think about. I think that's yeah. fantastic. I think that kind of the power of collective thinking is critical. But at the end of the day, it's critical to understand that when you are a CEO, you do have to make decisions. And at some point, you kind of have to shut down the conversation and and move on and make a decision and go. Mm. So there's that too. But there's a finding the balance there, I think, is what's critical. Yeah, and I think that's a skill set. Some interesting thoughts there. David, just I want to go back to some of the greatest hits or best bits of your previous podcasts, both of you. And David, one of the things I loved about your podcast was this theme of enabling call center sales teams to sell insurance in a much more natural or conversational, intuitive way. So, for example, using the Bolt platform's built-in prompts or pre-filled data or AI's ability to create assumptive reasoning, all of these things so that call center staff can have can fill a much more advisory role than a sort of hard sales role. How open have Bolt's customers been to this line of thinking? Well, we signed two ultra-large service centers this year and both well over a couple hundred people in there just in one center. And 
because we have thousands across the country, but these are really very intensely focused ones. And the feedback we get is for the first time, I don't feel like I'm blind to what I'm trying to do. I don't feel like I'm scrambling to try to help someone while I'm trying to look at the screen. I feel like I can finally use all the technologies that are put in front of me in a collaborative and organized way. I think that as they look at 10, 15, 20 minutes on a phone call and the ability to talk through very clearly and do advisory as opposed to just trying to get stuff done to meet the timelines that the call center is putting on them have been hugely and positively appreciated. And of course, we've gotten feedback too, and we've learned on some of the presentation and tools that we provide. We pride ourselves in a lot of data that we input, or we call it pre-filled data. And we've learned a lot from these call center people because they don't have time to go Googling things and that. So we've actually improved by putting additional third-party sources that help improve, streamline, and make their job easier. So I think the feedback we get is excellent, but I also think the transformative part of it is we've improved based on their feedback. So it's been a win-win. Yeah, and a two-way street. Is there anything that either of you would have done differently this year? One of the things that defines the organization is speed, right? Bolt speed, we say internally, bolt tech speed, bolt speed. I will admit that hindsight is always twenty twenty, but a couple of the items I talked about earlier one related to the changing of the workflow and the operations and the technology as a result of the product changes. I wish we would have gone a little faster on that or picked up on it faster. And then the second one relates to kind of the fail fast. I actually think we did that relatively fast, but with hindsight being 2020, maybe we could have done that a little bit faster. So it's probably not fair to us to do that, but I think those are the things I would have done differently. Yeah. Okay. And David? We talked at the beginning of the interview about how evolution is really creating a lot of both opportunity and and challenge of change. I really am glad that there's a few things that we saw midway through last year and we began investing in it. But even with that, we could have, should have gone faster than even we did. So we've had some catch up to do on some various areas. But I think the good news is because we saw the impending tsunami wave coming back. We were very prepared, but always a chance for us to have done it better. And then I think as we build our playbook, Jim talked about failing fast. We've had several types of programs that we've tried, and we just need to get even faster and more understanding of what are the key metrics of success. And if they're not there for everybody, end it quickly. And so that fail fast is something that we've learned from. We just have to live what we say and do it quicker. Yeah, as you said last time, speed counts. And before we start to wrap up, it's that time of year. So I really just want to ask you, do you both have any holiday season or Christmas traditions or rituals that you can share or that you're particularly looking forward to? I've got two. Yeah, I'll take them. (laughs) And they're both, I guess they're both, they're both somewhat related. So the first one actually has more to do with US Thanksgiving. Right. Which kind of is the start of the holiday season. So every year on Thanksgiving morning, we go on a hike. And I say we because there's a family of five, but all five have never gone. It's one of those, who wants to volunteer to go this year? Who actually went to bed at a reasonable time the night before? So <laughs> so this year we had three. <laughs> but that's a really fun holiday tradition. We're fortunate enough to live in Georgia where we've got mountains really close, so we've got a place to hike. So that's one. And then the second one 
is uh, the annual Jingle Bell jaunt or Jingle Bell run or whatever the case may be. Those holiday festive 5K runs where you dress up in funny clothes. With Klein is dancing and Eric and his ultra marathons, you are all a healthy, healthy bunch. David, what, what about you? Please tell me you're going to be like, you know, drinking and eating and actually lazing about watching TV like I'm going to be. <laughs> I mean, that is noble as running. <laughs> I certainly don't do that. So to me, it's just <laughs> hopefully getting some time to recapture your thoughts. I think one of the things we try to do is take a little bit of a breath, try to catch your breath, try to make sure, and try to spend time with our kids as our kids are older. And so it's very precious the time you get with them. You want to spend time with them. We, for Thanksgiving, you know, having them home and being able to do that, same with Christmas, is fun. Oh, I got a really yeah. weird one for you. Ready, Fiona? Yeah, yeah. So one of the things we do, which I can't explain, but as long as you mention eating and drinking, we have one of those too. And mm-hmm. that is every Christmas Eve, we eat grilled cheese sandwiches and drink wine. Oh, that's nice. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. But actually, you know, David, you and I are both succession fans, right? So one thing we both have to look forward to is finding out whether Kendall ever takes over Waystar Royco. Yeah, no, that was a, it's been a big thing in our house. Everybody's watching it. Jim doesn't watch any of it, but it's, it's, it's been great. I'm the geek. uh, I don't watch TV. (laughs) Oh, I don't really watch it, but I'm obsessed. Uh, It's supposed to be a good week coming up. So keep, keep your eyes open. Insider succession tips. Thank you. And thank you both for the input. We're not going to say goodbye just yet because this is a two-parter. So I would like to invite everyone to please join me, Jim and David for episode seven next year, where we'll spin around and move from looking back over 2021 and looking into 2022. As always, you can find lots of bonus content if you follow Bolt on LinkedIn. And there's some great blog content on vaultinsurance.com under the insights tab so also as it's the end of our first year thank you from me and the team at vault for listening please hit follow or subscribe and if you are taking a break for the holiday season i hope it's a really restful and positive one thanks again and we're going to pick up on this chat once again in january (laughs) 